Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. And if you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is the newly minted Vice President of Product Marketing at Movable Inc., where she leads the global product marketing efforts for the company. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Ad Age, CIO Magazine, and the Economic Times, covering a range of topics from customer experience to damn to lessons learned from being a working mom. We met on the analyst circuit, and she's one of the smartest people I know. So welcome, Anjali. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. I'm so excited to be here. So you've had a busy uh, last year or so, changing jobs and whatnot. So I gave the highlight reel, but tell us, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I just started this new gig um, at the end of last year, about December, and I'm so excited to be at Movable Inc. leading our product marketing team. Before that, I led a product marketing team at another MarTech vendor, Aprimo, who did DAM and marketing operations. I was there for about four years. And before that, I was a, an industry analyst at Forrester for seven or eight years. So it's been a, it's been a wild but fun journey over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you made the successful leap, not not a lot of us do, um, from being on the analyst side to the vendor side, because while, you know, all of your time at Forrester and you did such a great job covering our space, um, you know, it, it's different. It's, you know, it's, it's a great baseline, but it's certainly your day to day has got to be so much different than what it was when you were on the analyst side of the fence. It's so different. Um in so many ways, it's so different, but it's also so similar. Um, you know, a lot of the key things that I think about, like, where is the market going and how do we address market problems and how do you craft go-to-market strategies for that? You know, a lot of that was similar to the work that I was doing as an analyst. And so kind of intellectually, in many ways, it feels, you know, some of the problems that I think about day-to-day are similar. But in other ways, my day-to-day is completely different. Um, you know, as an analyst, I was kind of an individual contributor, kind of in a in an ivory tower, um, kind of looking at this by myself. And now I have, you know, a lot of more responsibility with a team and management, uh, which is definitely a different challenge in my day-to-day. Um, and I also don't get the opportunity that I had as an analyst to pick all the vendors' brains, right? Um, you know, I used to just be able to call up whoever I wanted and ask them what they thought and kind of get all this data. And now, you know, you're responsible for one product and one company. So it's kind of the day-to-day and how you approach some of those problems is so different. Um, I love both sides and you know, one day I probably want to be an analyst again, and I probably would move back to the vendor side again. So uh, both sides have been super exciting, and they work and flex different muscles. It, it's a, it's so simpatico um, between the two, but I, I love the way you put it. You know, you you had you had a village to tap into, and now you're sort of on the outskirts of the village, right? So that sort yeah. of not isolated, but it's it's a myopic focus. You've really got to pay attention to what Movable Inc. is all about and, you know, how to move forward. So I always start off the day in our topic or our conversation with four quick, four short questions. So let's get going into that. And, you know, you've had 
like we said, a very focused career into technology. But what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? I wanted to be a journalist. I remember watching Barbara Walters on 2020 and I was like, I want to do that. I want to do like investigative journalism and I want to be an author. And I remember telling uh, my parents still embarrass me and tell me that I used to, to say that that's what I want to be when I grow up. And I just want to be like her and be an investigative journalist. So uh, that was kind of the first career. I guess analyst is not is kind of like a journalist in some ways, an investigative journalist. But yeah, that was definitely the first thing that I ever remember wanting to be. Yeah, I would say there's there's a natural alignment there. Investigation, curiosity. I mean, you're not uncovering dead bodies, which probably makes your mom and dad really happy. A <laughs> um, little bit safer, the tech space. Yeah. <laughs> not traveling to, you know, far off places in the world. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so from an influencer perspective, so you mentioned, you know, seeing Barbara Walters and being, oh, I want to be like her. Were there any other big influences in your life? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, just seeing kind of women in leadership generally, um, you know, and that's potentially she was on TV and I was, you know, six years old. Um, so definitely I would say she was one. And then just my parents, you know, my parents are immigrants and came, especially, you know, my dad came to the United States with not a lot of money and he um, had a medical education, but had no residency. He just kind of sh- showed up um, and really had a lot of grit and tenacity didn't have a fallback of like parents or something else that he could fall back. So uh, definitely, I would say, you know, my dad was a a huge influence on my life in terms of, you know, his hard work, his ethics, um, and not just his kind of work ethic, but also just a super ethical um, man as well. So I would say, you know, that's, he's definitely one of the main influences on my life as well. From a, a career I love that. That that takes a lot of chutzpah to to cross an ocean, gone to med school, and just I'm going to make this work. So that's fantastic. And clearly, you got his tenacity. I've seen <laughs> you in a room with executives. It's it's impressive. Um, and so, what song would you say epitomizes your career path? Oh my gosh, I'm not like a big music person. Um, I would say something like fight song just because I think that, you know, I was and I feel like you can probably relate to this, Kathy, in the tech space when you're with a bunch of tech executives, you're often the only woman. Um, I, you know, started my career, I was maybe sometimes younger than some of the other executives. Um, and I was often like the only woman of color too, even if there were women. So just the kind of having to feel confident and, and kind of fight for the things and ideas that I believed in. And so, you know, maybe tenacity would be the, the, the key word again here, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think that, it just, it's gotten easier as I've kind of established myself in the space, but it definitely those first few years, you know, just kind of fighting for the ideas that I wanted to pursue and things that I wanted to do. Yeah, I would say that's very apropos. And, and certainly I can relate to, to being, you know, a woman in a sea of men, um, not only it's on both sides of the stage, right? Not only those sitting up on stage, the executives that we're speaking with, but also our compatriots, um, fellow analysts. And I mean, <clears throat> there's very few of our, our fellow analysts that I can think of that, you know, saw us as 
women. We were just colleagues, right? We were we were people in the space. But you know, it's it's a different it's it's a different approach and different expectation. And you could sometimes even see the body language change when you or I would ask a question, right? It's um, yeah, it's definitely different. So street name for your career, if it were an actual road, what would it be called? I think it would be, so if, if the song is fight song, it would, um, the street would be, but with a little of luck. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, I got lucky and, you know, I was super, um, you know, I'd fight for what I believed in, what I kind of wanted for my career, but I also got lucky in certain places. Sometimes I was in the right place at the right time. Um, or I was able to capitalize on opportunities. I remember the, I remember being at Forrester and saying, Hey, there's like a lot of interest coming up around digital asset management. No one covers this. And I just kind of jumped on it. And so I was in the right place at the right time in some, some ways. So, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of luck also helps as you go, go around or being in the right place at the right time definitely believe that, you know, everything we do and the success we get, as much as it can be orchestrated, there's, there is an element of luck and, you know, being in the right place and having, having the opportunity there. But I, I would take full street credit if I were you on taking the damn space because you saw the opportunity. It had been sitting there for a while. You know, it, we, we talked about it, other analysts not being forced, <laughs> you know, why didn't you guys cover it? as a specific space. And so you jumped on it. So that's, that's again, your tenacity and, and showing that you have the vision and understanding the importance of that particular technology, which so many people overlook. Um, maybe not as much anymore, but, um, you know, so again, kudos to you. So as we think about, you know, you, you talked a little bit about your, your journey and, and going from analyst over to the, the vendor side and whatnot. What's that journey been like? So University of Edinburgh, Vassar, super impressive. Um, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so it, I actually was a psychology major. Um, so I went to college. I was like, I loved Vassar. had no idea what I wanted to do, though. Um, and I just took a psychology class and I fell in love with it. Had no idea what I was going to do with it. Um, but then by the end, I was like, I'm going to, be a psychologist, actually. And so my first job, um, I did research psychiatric psychology or psychiatric research in college. And my first job was doing psychiatric research with um, with uh, veterans with drug addiction. And we did, you know, a bunch of NIH uh, funded studies. And it was, you know, the first, you know, little bit after college doing that. And I realized I need, I need to try something else before I commit to this full thing. And, and you know, maybe the, the most lucky thing that ever happened in my career is I was kind of like, I don't know what to do. Um, what do you do when you don't think you want to do a PhD in psychology and you want to switch? Like, how do you even break into something else? And so... I was kind of having an existential crisis and my parents said like, why don't you just take a week off and come home? So I took a week of vacation and I was flying back to see my parents and this guy sits next to me on the airplane and he's just like showing me pictures of his wife and kids. And I'm thinking, cool, I'm just like having a crisis right now. Like, why are you showing me pictures? And then he asked me what I do. And I said, you know, I, I do psychiatric research, but I'm, kind of looking for a change. And he said, 
well, I work for a market research firm and we do tech market research. Um, what kind of skills do you have? And I said, well, you know, I have the analytics skills. I had data skills. Um, at the time, I was doing a lot of kind of like hardcore data analysis. And he said, well, I work at this company called Forrester. And, um, you know, we're always looking for people who are inquisitive and know about data. And we do big surveys and things like that. So, yeah, he referred me. And that's how I got to, you know, I started off kind of in the entry level job at Forrester and worked my way to being an analyst. So it was a total random, but I think it was kind of meant to be. I found that I actually really liked tech. Um, I really liked, you know, at the time, like love doing the market research side. And I grew into kind of loving the, the analyst side as well and kind of moved over. So it's it's been a, an interesting journey, I think. Um, and you know, that was probably the most lucky thing that ever happened to me. We were talking a little bit about the right place, the right time, and and sort of the serendipitous uh, influence of things. So clearly, you were meant to go visit your parents, take that break, and be on that plane coming back. I, you know, I'm a firm believer as as analytical and practical and logical as I am. I truly believe that there are certain things that are just meant to be. You're you're in a certain place. You decide to take a left turn instead of a right turn for a reason. Stuff happens. Not all the time but certain activities. So I would plant that in, in definitely in that category. But so you go in, you go from psych, psych, psychological based research, and that sounds fascinating, the research study that you did into completely new market research tech, a new space for you. As you were going through, like, was there a moment that happened, something that you read, some research that you did meeting that you were at, something that really cemented that this is the space for you. There was a, you know, a defining moment, so to speak, that impacted this clearly tech-driven trajectory that your career has been on. Yeah, there were two, actually. Uh, the first was I attended a Forrester event, and um, one of the speakers was someone that we both know, was Tim Walters. And oh God. <laughs> yeah, one of the first people I ever saw speak at a tech conference and he's very energized and he, you know, he has like a really distinct style. And I just remember thinking like, that must be so fun to like get on stage and talk about this. At the time I had no public speaking experience. Um, since then I've done many more speeches and had speech training and speech coach, all of that. But I was just like very... I just like loved how he could tell a story and I thought, huh, that could, that maybe this is, this is kind of a cool, cool career. You made all of this tech sound so interesting. Um, and then I think the, the thing that really then cemented it is a mentor at the time of mine took me to an advisory day. And I, I know, you know, advisory days well, Kathy, but essentially what, you know, you can do as a, as an analyst is spend a day on site with a vendor and you talk about, you know, what's happening in the market. You go back and forth on strategy and product and how they need to be positioning or where they need to be innovating. And a mentor of mine let me join in on one of those. And I just loved it. I thought it was this kind of great conversation that was able to tap into kind of all my soft skills, like the, the analytical, being the curious, inquisitive, challenging or having those discussions. And 
um, it was just like so much energy I felt like in the room. And that was kind of what cemented it. I was like, this is, a, you know, the technology, the power of technology and the conversations that you can have around it are super energizing to me. So I would say like maybe Tim and his speech planted the, the seed and then it was really like it was there forever after I had attended that first advisory day as a as a kind of witness. <laughs> So I have to ask, do you remember how many hundreds of slides Tim had for his probably He probably had program? hundreds, yes. <laughs> he oh. goes through them so fast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something that, you know, Tim and as you know, Tim and I worked together for a long time and it was one of the things that I just used to, I'm like, dude, how do you... <laughs> <laughs> like keep track of what you're saying against every single slide and and his decks would be you know like a hundred slides and he'd only be speaking for a half an hour and he gets through them that's that's the amazing thing so um yes uh we we love our doctor tim walters he's <laughs> he's he's certainly inspiring um, and I will definitely have to tag him in this conversation. Yes, please do. <laughs> Tell us a little more about your current role. You talked a little bit at the beginning about how it's a shift, how you went from even from the analyst perspective, it's you're looking at this big, huge um, landscape. And, you know, we look at Scott Brinker's, what did you think of his 9,962 <laughs> tech on that? Um, to where you need to still be aware of that landscape, but really focused on, you know, what's right from, from Movable Inc. And, and some of the management and the human resources side of things. Are you finding new challenges? Are there compromising compromises that you're still having to make or new ones that you're having to make in this gig? You know, I don't know. I don't think it's compromises, but I think the thing that I like the most about um, being on the vendor side, and I've gotten to do a lot of it um, at Movable Inc., is thinking about kind of long-term strategy, like where where should we be investing as a company? Um, and then also just kind of like, what's how do we position in our go-to-market? Like, it is such a crowded landscape. And there's only, you know, three big, you know, there's like three or four big vendors. There's only so many Adobe's or Salesforce or Oracle's in, in the world. So, um, yeah, I, I think just, you know, trying to come up with that unique value proposition is really interesting. And I think, you know, the biggest exciting part for me at Movable Inc. is I came from a vendor where we did kind of work management and DAM and, there were RFPs and there was a budget and it was like, a, there were like tons of direct competitors, including, you know, someone like Adobe. Um, the space that we're in now, we are more, you know, we're, we're don't have, it's not like an RFP process. And so it's really a challenge, but in a good way, I think of how do you prove value and how do I work with our sales teams and our customer experience teams to prove value, to show that we're different, um, things like that. So it's, you know, personalization is kind of what Movable Inc. does. It's, it's a nebulous term. And I think it's, it's so exciting though, because even if there's not an RFP, that actually means there's more opportunity to kind of latch onto some of these bigger problems sometimes. You know, I love the fact that, you know, you're not positioning Movable Inc. to be Adobe. Uh, you know, our, our entire careers in this space, Anjali, we've, we've heard it from everybody, right? We want to beat Adobe. Um, so I, you know, it must be a challenge also to think about, 
not only the positioning within that super crowded market, but again, how do you stand out, which, you know, gets all your analytic juices flowing and, and outside of the box thinking as well. But have you found, I want to tap back into, um, to something that we talked about earlier in the conversation about, you know, 10 years ago, even the space was predominantly men Mm -hmm. and it wasn't always receptive to, you know, you or I and and the questions we were asking and maybe not taken as seriously as, as, as others. But I mean, that I think you and I only had to interact with people for a very short while for them to realize that we knew what we were talking about and there was no, you know, distinction just because of our gender. Have you seen a change in the tech space? You've now been with two vendors. So you've been on that side of the fence. Are we making big progress? Are we seeing that shift or even baby steps? I th- I definitely think we're seeing baby steps. And I think that there's certain things that have become more standard. Um, I will say that one of the reasons that I love Movable Inc. is that I think it's a very open, diverse culture. Um, You know, it's based in New York. It kind of has to be (laughs) if you're based in New York, but it is something that our leadership, like we strongly believe in. Um, And so I do think that there's some outstanding companies out there. And I think, you know, unfortunately, there's still some laggards, but even those laggards are taking baby steps. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, at Movable Inc., we have, um, employee resource groups for, you know, name any kind of group. And it's not just kind of in writing or on paper. I mean, they're incredibly active doing, um, you know, great work. I'm the executive sponsor for our Movable Inc. Asians group, and they've done some amazing things in that group. Like, you know, after the, the rise of uh, hate crimes um, to Asian Americans, especially in New York, where we have a lot of employees based, you know, they did self-defense classes and things like that virtually for our employees. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely not just something like, hey, you know, in writing or something that the groups actually do mean something and are part of the cultural fabric of the company. And I don't, you know, I can't imagine 10, 15 years ago, um, some of these kind of groups existing or being as vocal or active as they are. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. And that, you know, that talks a lot to Movable Inc. and, and the culture and, and the type of organization that they are. So it's no wonder that uh, you're, you're making your way there. So, you know, tough question. Um, if you weren't in the tech space, what, you, what would you be doing? Yeah, so this is like a an oddball one. Not everyone knows this about me, but um, I got really into learning about North Korea and kind of the dynamic um, of what's happening there. It's such an isolated place, and um, you know the human rights violations, but also just the in you know the potential instability if something happens in in North Korea or you know what whatever might happen or might not happen. Um, so I think I would go back into school and kind of do do study study that and be like a scholar um, in that region because I think it's probably you know, in the next 25 years, like it's going to be one of our major crises, kind of global crises. So I definitely, you know, maybe off the wall if if you don't know me super well. Um, But yeah, you know, I think I'm always kind of a learner at heart. And, um, 
but yeah, I, I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. I think I'm going to be sticking to tech, but you know, maybe if I win the lottery or something. <laughs> there you go. It can be your, your, your side project, right? Exactly. Maybe my retirement career or something. There you go. Some people learn Spanish. Other people go learn about North Korea. Exactly. So <laughs> All right. I mean, you've already given us a, such such a great perspective and, and lots of really good advice. But for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice, whether it's, you know, life, career, success, motherhood? I loved that piece that you wrote about, you know, what you wish you'd known about being a working mom resonated, like echoed in my head because I'm a few years ahead of you and on that front, but um, all still holds true. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I always tell women when I do these podcasts or panels and things like that is don't be afraid, Um, especially if you are a woman with privilege, Um, because we do have female colleagues who might not have the same privileges that we do, you know, that I, I personally had privilege of, you know, having parents who were super supportive and would support me no matter what. Um, and, you know, a college education to fall back on. Um, but yeah, I would say women, especially those with privilege, like, don't be afraid. What's, you know, the thing that I always say is like, what's the worst that could happen? And the most kind of transformational moment in my career of thinking what's the worst could happen was after the 2016 election in the United States. Um, the company that I worked for at the time put out something that I remember reading the night the night that it all happened or in the morning after that I felt like was kind of weird. It was insensitive. And I was like, I don't like this. Like it's one, I thought it was like a bad analysis. And two, I thought that it was just kind of tone deaf. And so I kind of stewed at work and I didn't really say anything. Uh, but then a colleague of mine who was a mentor and she's just this amazing female role model of mine she said, well, you know, I don't like this. Like, is this, is this just me? And I said, no, it's not. And I, I said, would it be weird if we like wrote a letter to the CEO saying like, I think this is wrong. And she goes, no, she goes, I'll sign it and I'll support you. So I wrote this letter and then I signed it and I gave it to my colleague and she signed it. And she goes, actually, like she had a mentor, a a woman, a woman who had come before her. She goes, you know, she wants to sign it too. Can I send it to her? I was like, absolutely. And it could be like the three of us. And it actually went viral at the company. And I think at one point, like over two thirds of the company signed it. And there had to be like an emergency town hall. And I remember I challenged the CEO. I was like sitting in the front row, like, who am I? Like, what was I doing? Um, But I did it. And it was transformational to me to show not to be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Um, because I thought like, what's, what's the worst that could happen? They fire me for standing up for what I believe in and what I thought was not just like a insensitive take, but just fundamentally bad, like a bad analysis. Um, so it was kind of a transformational moment for me to think like, Hey, what's, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And, the, the only things that to me that could happen are positive um, and not just worry about, hey, what are the bad things? But don't be afraid of those. Think about the good things. And, um, you know, the, the best thing that came out of that one, they 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 edited and apologized. They edited and had a much more nuanced take after that. That wasn't quite so insensitive. Um, 
But then the the other main thing that happened to me that was truly transformational is somebody came up to me who I didn't really know at all at the company. And she said, you know, my parent, you know, my mother uh, wears a hijab and I'm, you know, Middle Eastern, I'm Muslim. And she cried and she said, thank you for like standing up for someone like me because I didn't, I was really upset and I, it meant a lot to me. And so having that no fear kind of approach, um, I think was kind of a transformational moment for me and what my leadership style is and who I want to be in a company as well. Just not, not be afraid of the worst case scenario and kind of stand up for those women who might not have the same privilege that I do. Wow. That is fantastic. Good for you. And, you know, I, I, standing up for what we believe and one of the things that I've always espoused to and, and tried to relate to our kids is, you know, you don't know if you don't ask and there's no harm in, in, in speaking up, be respectful. You know, you don't, not everything has to be a fight, but if it's something you're passionate about it to your point, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know what, if they fired you for that, you didn't want to work for that company anyways, right? Because they don't espouse to, to who you are and the beliefs that you have. So ultimately it's, it's a good thing. So, wow. Kudos for you. That's fantastic. And, um, it just shows, you know, just one small step and you never know where it's going to go. So. Thanks. And I love what you're teaching your children too. I know they're older, but that's just something that I think is really important, especially, you know, you have a, a daughter and especially for women, because I think we're not always socialized that way just by society or, you know, gender norms, things like that. And so, you know, I love that that's something you've imparted on, on your children, but especially your daughter. This has been fantastic. It has absolutely been delightful to speak with you again. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> um, and uh, for the reminder about privilege, it's something that, um, that we forget, that privilege isn't just being born in the, the top 5%. It could mean just having a supportive family, having a safe place to live, um, having a family to go home to. So thank you for that reminder. And in closing, tell our audience where we can find you. Web, social, any upcoming speaking events? Are you doing Henry Stewart or any of the usual tours? I guess not so much Henry Stewart anymore now that you're not with a, a Primo. No, I'm not doing much the, these days. I think events are still all over the place. Um, they are. But I'm I'm definitely active on LinkedIn. Um, so Anjali Hundy's search me, add me. Um, and that's kind of generally where you'll find me. Um, I'm not as active on Twitter these days and more on LinkedIn. So feel free to find me there, add me and looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, Anjali, thank you so much for today's conversation. It has been wonderful to reconnect, um, learn more about your journey. Um, we got to talk about the doctor. So, you know, makes my day. <laughs> he always brings a smile to my face. Um, and to my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Anjali and hearing about how her love of learning, endless curiosity, and tenacity um, can lead you just about anywhere you want to go and accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. So if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from other amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Amy Budd, Vice President of Global Marketing Programs at Click, and that's Click with a Q, and hear about her passion for marketing, dogs, cooking, and anything that happens by the sea, and how that fuels her creativity and overall success. As always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. So thank you again for listening, and see until next time. Hello.
Enjoy the journey. I didn't say, right.